Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I've got a great episode with Dr. Cody Al. He is in Vancouver, Canada, and we are going to dive into a couple great topics. Uh, one I'm very familiar with, and the other one um, somewhat familiar with, but definitely outside of my uh, scope of expertise. And we're going to discuss commercial real estate for your practice, which I, I know a fair amount about because I have done that. I've owned my practice for the last, uh, sorry, my real estate for the last eight years. And the other one is having shareholders in your practice and what that looks like and getting to a growth model to do that. And so uh, Cody was one of the docs who reached out to me to try to iron out the details of this. And some uh, he asked some great questions and uh, he's, he's just bouncing back really strong from the pandemic, which is great to see. And so we dive into to mainly those two topics and, and a few others, but I think you'll get a lot out of uh, what we chat about. So I think uh, you'll, you'll want to listen to this, whether you've already got your office space um, or not, or if you're looking to potentially bring on partners either now or down the road, or even if you're thinking about becoming a partner in a practice, we dive into some of that. Okay. Uh, before we dive into that episode, I actually want to make mention, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make a bold move here. I, I very subtly mentioned it a few podcasts ago, but uh, I'm all in on it. And, and we already got a, a handful that that's in it too. And we're going to do a 2022 Florida mastermind. And this is going to be um, a higher level level mastermind. Uh, we're going to do between 10 and 20 people only. It'll be four dates in Florida. Uh, it's going to be, there's going to be a January weekend, an April weekend, an August, sorry, a July weekend and a November weekend. We're going to be in Delray Beach, Florida, which is in Palm Beach County, Florida in January. Uh, we're going to be in Sarasota in July. We'll be in St. Augustine, Florida in April. And then we're going to be in the Florida Keys in November. And uh, we're going to learn a ton. We're really going to be diving into some high level topics. Uh, there will be a revenue minimum to, to join this mastermind. And we're going to have great uh, guests as well. We're going to do uh, four-hour guest presentations. Uh, Strategic Coach is going to be sending someone down. Uh, Jay Greenstein is going to be coming down to go over the chiropractic entrepreneur framework. Uh, we've got the CEO and developer of Delegate Solutions, who makes a lot of what I do happen. And we're also going to have uh, Dr. Mark King from MPI talking about leadership. Uh, that one will be in, in Sarasota. And we're going to have fun. We're going to, you know, the masterminds are going to pay for great dinners and activities and all that. You just got to obviously pay the the entrance fee to it and your, your room and board and travel and all that. Uh, you can email me, Kevin at moderndeskjockey.com if you are interested and I can send you all the details. But I am uh, really excited about that. Uh, the, the goal is it to, to be a year over year thing. So every year, uh, some will stay, some will, will not, but um I've been a part of these and I usually get amazing information from being part of a brain trust like that. So email me, Kevin at moderndeskjockey.com if you're interested. Here is my interview with Dr. Cody Al. 
All right, Cody, welcome to the show today. I really appreciate your time. I'm excited to dive into a couple of topics that I actually get asked quite a bit, one more than the other, but both are very pertinent. And I'm excited to work through this uh, with you. So before we do that, tell us about yourself, both personally and professionally, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, thanks for the invite and uh, setting this up for, with me, Kevin. So I'm Dr. Cody Owl. I'm based in Vancouver, BC in Canada, up north. My clinic is Baseline Health and Wellness, and I, I graduated from UWS about six years ago. And uh, I'm the owner of the clinic. I started out as a contractor originally um, looking that I was going to be an associate, but that didn't happen. So I ended up renting space from the clinic and then basically growing from there. And basically, I guess in the last six years, we are now a team of three chiropractors, one physiotherapist, two RMTs, one naturopath and five kinesiologists. Perfect. I, I love that. Uh, and in the kinesiologists, the five of them, uh, are they helping all of you out? Is that essentially what's happening? So originally it was that way, but with COVID and the changes and how like the structuring of my business, mm -hmm. they basically all shift in and out working with my clients now only because I'm paying them. And so in terms of that, they also in BC, we also have our motor vehicle accidents mm -hmm. have funding towards active rehab therapy. Perfect. And so they run that side as well. Great. So they do a lot of active rehab. Exactly. Cool. Awesome. And so a couple of things we're going to uh, dive into today is is obviously taking a lot of those folks that are uh, contractors and then uh, essentially investing into your business and becoming uh, shareholders. So we'll dive into that. And then also we're going to chat a little bit about commercial office space. And I want to start with that. So talk to us a little bit about that scenario for you. So um, with commercial real estate, so Vancouver being the up and coming booming city that it is. Very um, expensive too. Extremely expensive. So for example, my lease agreement, I'm on the second floor close to the downtown core area mm -hmm. and it's a uh, 1200 square feet and I'm paying close to $5,000 in just rent. Yeah. So with that kind of comes when you're dealing with a landlord. Our landlord mm -hmm. wasn't the greatest during COVID. Yeah. like all these things. And so my business almost actually plummeted when mm -hmm. COVID came through because we had just opened this clinic 10 months prior. And sure. so we were just getting into little bits of profits. Mm -hmm. And so with the mass closures, like there was nothing. And the owner of the building just wasn't very compliant with anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, so that kind of stemmed. We, we survived. We made it through. We came mm -hmm. back. And honestly, it's been, we've grown from it. So we added team members. It's been great. And basically at this point, we're now at the seams and bursting. And so that's where we look to expand. And Good. so that kind of stemmed this commercial real estate hunt. Mm -hmm. So what is the commercial real estate situation there? I'm assuming it's expensive, but give me an idea of it. Is it buying a suite in an office building? Is it a standalone space? What kind of situation would you have there in Vancouver? <laughs> to buy a standalone building here would be ridiculous. That's for that's for the rich people in the world, right? Yeah, it'd be like probably like eight million dollars yeah. plus. That's why I wanted to ask. I, I kind of knew the answer, but I've posed this question before about buying, and and there is the reality where if you're in Middletown America, uh, I can't speak to Middletown Canada, but Middletown America, you could you could buy land, have a building built or buy it and have two acres of land and it'd be $500,000. If you're in big city, Canada or, or America, it's trickier. So I wanted to, to obviously be cognizant of that. Okay. It's expensive to do that. So what would it look like in, in Vancouver? 
So I'm actually, the spot that I'm looking for is outside of the Vancouver core. It's in one of the suburbs. Okay. And even there at the current rate, even with what we would say is suppressed markets, mm-hmm. uh, the commercial real estate rate is looking at a thousand to 1200 square per square foot per, per square foot. Okay. I give you an idea of what that looks like for my audience. I'm in Boca Raton, Florida, which is a pretty affluent suburb area of South Florida in Palm Beach County, and it's not cheap here, but in my my medical building here, I own mine and they're going for about $270 a square foot, a little bit different than what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like even a thousand, like if you're looking at it, easy numbers, a thousand square foot space is looking at a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at a, probably a, mul- a million plus dollar investment, obviously over time, it's going to be worth it. So what are your thoughts on making that happen? So we got an interesting piece. So mm-hmm. what I would suggest to individuals is find a really good commercial agent. Yes. I was looking like in the midst of, do I lease another spot and start up mm-hmm. or do I buy? And so we're in that mix. I'm lucky, like family, my parents sold sold one of their properties. And so mm-hmm. they have some cash lying around. They wanted to invest in me and, and help us out. Good. And so I would never be able to afford that at this rate. I can like living is a big thing here in, in Vancouver. Yep. And so um, like basically my commercial agent found one of the properties that is in an industrial area. Okay. And so the industrial area is t- the space that we're looking at and I'm currently discussing is 2,700 square feet. Okay. And it is looking at the listing was 1.2, oh, nice. which is significantly below. Mm-hmm. So the challenges of it were to find out is the zoning proper? Yep. So can we actually have a clinic here? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of back and forth that way because it's industrial. Yep. Are we allowed to do anything there? And then what does that entail? So he went mm-hmm. through a lot of kind of backtracking to try to figure out is there limits? Mm-hmm. Can the full 2,700 square feet? Like what's the problems there and all that stuff? And so mm-hmm. uh, as of a couple of days ago, I just got clearance that it is fully accessible for a clinic. Oh, good. Perfect. So, yeah. So that's where that's going. Let me ask you a couple of questions on that. When does your lease run up on your current location? Three more years. Cool. And then the industrial area, how far is that from where you're at right now? So this would actually be a satellite clinic, not like a, a direct okay. clinic. Gotcha. So this so, one is probably about 20 minutes away. Perfect. So different location. So you don't, it doesn't have to impact. I asked that obviously, because you don't want to move too far if you're moving your whole practice or if it changes the whole dynamics of things. Okay. So it'll be a satellite. Let's, let me ask this question so we can tie in for our next topic. The current people that are in your practice now uh, as contractors that are going to potentially be shareholders, are these going to be the same people for the satellite or are there going to be additional people? So we are looking at bringing these contractors in as the shareholders because they've yep. seen how I've grown the business and mm-hmm. how kind of navigated it. So we're going to basically plant the same systems that I've created here into the new clinic and hopefully hit the ground running. Okay. Now, will you all split time between the two locations or no? That's the goal Mm -hmm. is to split time and then basically bring on associates and other people under each of us as we are leads. Okay. Now, will there be two entities or one when you open up the second location? As far as... So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. As far as I know there'll be two locations, but is it going to be one business that has two locations or two completely separate businesses? I think that's where I'm in the mix of speaking with, like Mm -hmm. I spoke with my accountant and she's pushed me onto a tax lawyer. 
yep. to figure out because the first location is my entity, my own, yep. whereas the second one will be shared. So how does that work? Is it going to be in the same umbrella or is it going to be two separate things? And there are basically like a franchise lease kind of thing is it to protect both the brand, but also, mm -hmm. also grow as a company. And it's not mm -hmm. basically that I'm just running over everything. Okay. Make sure I get this right. Location one, which you're in now, you own a hundred percent of location two. The goal is to have shareholders in that one. Will there be any other shareholders in location one? Or is that always going to stay just with you for now? For now, it's just going to be me. Perfect. Gotcha. Okay, great. And I, yeah, we pre-chatted a little bit before this type of shareholder thing is a little bit outside my sweet spot, but you found the right person to start with something that may not really apply because you're not giving, you're not providing shareholder stake in your current location one, but just for the audience to learn, I was actually at a conference in Atlanta last month and it was for the scheduling Institute and it was all doubling your practices uh, value. And so we did a lot of things from a financial standpoint to do that. And, and one of the things that Jay Geyer had recommended is that people get a valuation of their business to see what it's actually worth. People think they know what it's worth or they have an emotional connection to what they would like it to be worth and all that, but it really doesn't matter. And he even talked about, you really, it, it's a touchy thing to put your practices worth on your personal financial statement if you did not have a proper valuation versus if you had a proper valuation then and and let's just say it's worth 500,000 you can put that on your personal financial statement slash net worth type of thing as an asset and whatever liabilities associated with it so a lot of times a starting point for what Cody's doing is that tax attorney you mentioned. And then if you're going to be doing partners and shareholders in your current practice that has a current business revenue, you're going to need to get a proper valuation and then, and then go from there. But in this case, it's a startup, right? So now you're actually starting up a new location that will have a shareholder. So I'm assuming it's going to be based on percentages and your tax account is going to help you figure that out. Is that correct? Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't want necessarily someone to come into this one. I wanted, it's the model for kind of the future as we're mm -hmm. growing out, because one of the reasons why I chose this way and not just starting off myself was one, the amount of cost. Yeah. Two, basically, I don't, I run my own business already. I don't mm -hmm. want two of them. Yeah. And so I, I'd like to keep the things, what you've taught in a lot of the CSA, delegate, automate. And so mm -hmm. really, I want to delegate this out mm -hmm. and, help, and help lead them. So I would take on basically like a corporate structure where I would love to be CEO, COO. I mm -hmm. love the operations side and really seeing yeah. work, but I really don't like, for example, finances and marketing, mm -hmm. all these things. Yeah. These things. All right, Docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm 
Modern Chiropractic Marketing, right? And so check out that link. And we're going to have you go over five SEO secrets to owning the first page of Google uh, without buying ads. And Darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. That's one thing that's cool to see you really hone in on your unique abilities and start to realize I don't have to be everything to everybody and I can get good people around and grow and obviously see profit from it. And I'm just going to make up a number, but if you own 40% of that satellite and everybody else owns 60%, whatever the, the split is, 40% of something with not killing yourself is better than a hundred percent of not much and killing yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. I've been uh, killing myself as I yep. built this business and my family and my wife can attest to it. Yep. But I'm like, at this point, I'm only six years in, but I mm -hmm. cannot see myself doing what I do for the next 20, 30 years. Which is good. You're recognizing that younger than most, which is great. And uh, I talk to a lot of chiropractors. I'm 41 now and I'm in year 16. I'd say the group of us that get into our 40s, if you haven't started to really hone in on your unique abilities, like Strategic Coach would talk about, that burnout comes quick and it's frustrating. And so you can recognize it early and start setting up those plans to really focus on the things you're good at. There's always going to be things you have to do that aren't ideal, but if you can get as many of the other things off your plate, it's, it's going to prevent burnout, but also you're going to, you're going to grow quicker as well. Yeah. I think there's, I find that just when I'm doing everything myself, it's mm -hmm. honestly like I'm in my own way, like all this four, four steps of the stool that you're, you're mm -hmm. thinking about in the past. It's, I want to create all those things, but when I work on one leg, then I jump to the next leg. Yep. It's, you know, like months before I get back to that first leg. Mm -hmm. It's hard, so it's you know, like, yeah, it's a lot of time. It's challenging. And to your point of developing more of a CEO role, I'm actually having uh, Dr. Ray Tuck on in the near future. We just scheduled that one for the, a few weeks from now, and he's become the CEO of his practice. And that's what we're going to talk about because it's a good path for a lot of people. It's not for everybody, but it's a good path for, for a lot of people. And on the other flip side of it, it's challenging to have a CEO if it's not you or a CFO. I know some big orthopedic groups that have that. So the doctors can literally just doctor and don't have to worry about anything else. But we're talking about pretty high revenue and, and profits to be able to afford to pay maybe like 300 plus thousand dollars a year for some kind of CFO or CEO to run it or COO, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, either way, but that's just really rare and hard in a chiropractic practice, even the integrated model, unless the, uh, doctor becomes the CEO, which is usually a, a really good transition. And it's cool to see you work into that a little bit. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a journey. I never really thought of it. I never really wanted to go into business. My family was mm -hmm. business owners. Mm -hmm. um, and I just saw how much time and effort was spent into it and how little time I had with my family, but got shoved into this. And mm -hmm. basically I just wanted to create something like, for example, like my wife is pregnant right now. Oh, nice. Congratulations. So, thank you. And yeah, a lot of it, this planning up to this point was to, how do I get away from my practice? Like I yeah. love treating, yeah. but how do I scale it so that it's not that I have to treat, but mm -hmm. more so that I choose to treat? Yeah. Which is a, which is a really good distinction to make. So good. Okay. Let's go back. Let's circle back over to the commercial real estate part of things, industrial 1.2. 
I'm not sure how Canada works. I know in the U.S., the Small Business Administration or SBA is an option for some folks where it's 10% down plus some fees and there's conventional loans. There's pros and cons to, to both of them. But the I would assume you'd, you'd get some sort of mortgage for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And then there's benefits with all of that. The mortgage is typically less than what rent is. There's going to be some property taxes and some other things like that, but it's typically less per month. And then, you know, what you're going to want to do, which you touched base on when we emailed was you're, you're going to set up a holding company. Like I have a holding company that pays the mortgage for my office real estate. And then my chiropractic practice pays rent to the holding company. So your practice will still pay rent. And that's going to be important, especially for you, Cody. You're gonna you're gonna to want to figure out what a a fair rent is and build that in, since you're going to be the 100% owner of the real estate. Correct. It's family. Let's just say you yeah. and your family. Yeah. yeah, not the not the contract, not the other potential shareholders. No. Yeah. Yeah. So you slash your family will be the owners of that, and then you're going to have a practice that's going to be paying rent to you. And it's going to have multiple shareholders. So there may be some negotiation in what the rent is, because I'm just going to make up something. This isn't you, but you could say to yourself, oh, I'm going to make sure it's 12,000 a month in rent, even though it should be like 8,000 because that, but what that would then do would eat into the profits that your partners wouldn't get. So it's, I remember this because I have a friend who's an orthopedic surgeon and he got partnership in the orthopedic group. It's just two of them now, but the main doctor owned the real estate and part of their negotiation was what the rent would be because that plays a big role now For sure. um, because if you jacked up the rent, it benefits you, but it really harms them. But that's easy to figure out. You just got to be, you get, you talked about having the right real estate person and having all that, have, all that'll come into play and you'll be able to prove that as well. But you will want to charge your practice a very fair rent, like a good amount, as much as you can within reason. Yeah, for sure. All right. We got a new special from Cairo, specific for modern chiropractic marketing listeners. You are going to get 15% off your monthly subscription for your first year with ChiroUp. And with ChiroUp, you're going to have access to condition-specific patient reports with online and mobile access, best practices protocols for over 100 conditions with video tutorials, clinic dashboard with key practice stats and outcomes, and auto-generated MD initial and release summaries, plus much more. And uh, I think it's a great supplement to your overall content marketing strategy. And all you need to do is go check out them at bit.ly, B-I-T slash and you can get 15% off for a full year. And if you do that and you email me, Kevin at moderndeskjockey.com, I will uh, throw in a 30-minute consult call with you uh, to go over how you can utilize some of this to supplement your content marketing to help grow your practice. So check that out at bit.ly, bit.ly slash MCM, as in modern chiropractic marketing. Check that out for 15% off your yearly subscription. And part of that is also then chatting about as shareholders because we are all practitioners and you don't want to, for example, I have chiropractors, physios and naturopath and everyone, we all make different amounts. So to pay whatever percentage of your income into that doesn't make sense because they're also, it's like, oh, Cairo's making more than massage. Why are they getting the same cut? 
So yep. more so it's then probably we're going to set up each contractor, each team lead. So then it's just flat. So they know that. And then basically as the team builds underneath us, then mm -hmm. both amounts will be pulled in at whatever percentage is into the company. And then that's the profit. And that's, yeah. And that's where your tax attorney and all that's going to really play a big role. Exactly. That's yeah. the setup issues that I'm um, trying mm -hmm. to organize. Yeah, exactly. And they'll do a good job for it. There's plenty of people that, God, there's corporate structures. There's, it, it could go a million different ways, but a good tax attorney and, and, and an attorney in general will be able to really help you out with that, which will be, which will be good. And then just the long-term benefits of owning the real estate is going to be just huge because essentially like you have to pay rent to somebody mm -hmm. and it might as well just be you. So when you do it, you're sitting on a, an appreciable value of something that if it's worth 1.2 now, I always feel like real estate tends to double every 20 years, mm -hmm. if not sooner in some areas, maybe stagnant in other areas. But that thing, by the time you're set to retire, could be worth two, two and a half, three, three and a half million dollars. And you would have hopefully have it paid off at that point. And so you're just sitting on something that's worth $3 million. And it'll even if you push the envelope a little bit right now to get it done, it's amazing what happens when you do that. I think of it, it's an investment, right? It's a, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a savings account. Oh, Whereas what, yeah. what we give to a landlord right now, you don't get back. Correct. Now, so there's multiple things. It's one, it's a savings account. It's a forced savings account, right? Just like a, like a, with a house isn't usually a great investment. People make the mistake of buying their house for $500,000 on a 30-year note. And then in 30 years, they've actually paid like a million dollars for it because of interest and things they've put into the house. And then in 30 years, they sell it for a million and they say, oh, I made $500,000. Like, no, you actually broke even, but it was a forced savings account. So then you got a million dollars when you sold it because you didn't know anything on it. But with commercial real estate, it's actually, so a house in my experience is more of like just somewhere to settle your home and have a forced savings account. Whereas a uh, commercial real estate really is a great investment in many ways. And it is an investment and it's much safer investment than in the person that's just buying commercial real estate, but their business is not renting from it. Cause that's risky. You're hoping that people rent this thing out versus with you've, you're guaranteeing the rent. And so I want to outline some of the benefits of owning, like you said, it's a forced savings account. There are tax advantages of yeah. owning. Okay. I'm not an expert in that but my accountant always says it is, and I know it is. So it's got tax benefits. Three, it provides a ton of stability for your practice. You don't have to worry about your rent going up. So I bought my office space in 2013. My rent will be the same in 2013, and it'll be the same in 2043 because I have the, I own it and it's the mortgage is not going to increase. I'm not going to refinance and all that stuff. So versus if I rented something in 2013, compared to 2043, it would be probably triple or quadruple. So in 20 years, you're going to be paying the same and your revenue will be a lot more. So that's, that's really beneficial in a lot of ways. And then, you know, it's just the benefit of attracting, you can sublet it out. Like you talked about, you can sublet some space, which is great. And so there's a ton of benefit of buying when you can do it, if it's reasonable. Again, I do think there are certain price points that a chiropractic practice doesn't have the margin or profits to handle and people need to be careful of that. So it can't, you don't want to, um, you don't want to strain the practice yeah. to do it. Right. I've seen people do that where 
they really want to buy, but what they have to buy is just too expensive because of the area they're in and their mortgage is like double than what their actual rent would be somewhere else, uh, or they buy too much space, things of that, that, that nature. So those are really some of the benefits. I'm sure there's more. Have you put any other thoughts into why you want to do it other than what I mentioned? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that would also say is when you're when you buy, I, I don't know if this is the same in the States, but mm -hmm. here, for example, say you buy a residential yeah. um, property and you rent it out, you still have to pay for your property taxes mm -hmm. and like your utilities and your insurances and all that stuff. In a commercial property here, it's we have triple net. So you're mm -hmm. paying for you're, the tenant pays for all pretty much all that minus the big building insurance stuff. But like you're, they're paying for your property tax. They're paying mm -hmm. for your strategies. They're paying for all that stuff. So yep. basically anything that comes in, just goes straight to whatever account you're looking at. Like it's a straight kind of yeah. like after your mortgage, it's profit really. It does, unless your practice is the only renter, you know, renter, mm -hmm. which is fine, which is most people, then obviously you're paying that. You yeah. Know. Anyway, it's just, yeah, you're just paying everything because that's the nature of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there are things to, to think about um, property tax in the United States. If you sublet out to someone that is subject to sales tax, I'm not sure about in Canada, but mm -hmm. if someone pays you a thousand dollars in rent, I think that in my county, it goes by county in, in, in the States. I think it's six and a half or 7% sales tax on rent. So you do have to pay as the owner sales tax yep. um, and things like that. And then, yeah, you're going to want, the other thing you're going to want to do when you build in the rent number, because again, it's going to be important for transparency to your shareholders is you do need to factor in repairs and um, updates down the road. Like you, you need to have, uh, if your mortgage and taxes and insurance and all that equals $6,000 total, you want the rent to be higher than $6,000 because you need to have some uh, extra money in there for repairs and leasehold improvements as you go. Like every, I mean, I, I'm in year eight of owning my space now. And I sat down recently to lay out a five-year plan to update everything from carpet to paint, to the wood flooring, to just a lot of things. Cause you don't want it to start looking stale because that'll start impacting your practice if it starts to look old and ugly. So you, or even the office furniture, like all these different things, you got to start to slowly update. So you got to take that into consideration when you do it. An interesting learning experience for me has been is I'm actually, so ours is a medical condo. So we've got two floors, two buildings attached and I'm actually the president of the condo association. And I made a big decision a few years ago when I took over to modernize this 1985 building, cause it started to look like 1985. So not only do you have to consider the interior, but you also need to consider the exterior. So we completely modernized the common areas, new paint, new furniture, new artwork, new everything where we redid the exterior paint, we updated all the signage, the monument sign, the all four elevators, the roof, over a million dollars worth of improvements over a four-year period of time. Luckily, we're a very healthy association with, we had a good amount of funds in there that were just accumulating over the years, but making all those improvements to the exterior and common areas is increasing the value of every owner's unit in here which is good, but it also has taught me how to plan ahead for expenses to update and repair and have certain, have money. It's all in one account, but I keep a spreadsheet mm 
for my holding company on, okay, how much money is in there for property taxes? How much is in there for if the air conditioning goes to shit and I need to replace that for $5,000 if for when I need to redo the paint, like all the different things I start planning ahead for it. So it doesn't just start to surprise me. How do you, I guess the question is, how do you percentage off or how do you prepare how much to go into each each list of things that you're doing? Yeah, you would list out the big ones. So Eric, depending on if you're, if you have the whole building, there's a whole other list of things like asphalt for the parking lot and all that type of stuff. But outside, like regular interior stuff, the air conditioning is going to be your big thing for sure. And so I just actually, I don't necessarily go by percentage, what I do in this kind of the sinking fund strategy is I make sure I have $5,000 in there for a air conditioning. I know I want to redo the, the cabinetry in here. I've got some closet doors that need to be redone and I price that out of 3000. So I got 3000 in there for that, which is actually being done right now. Supply chain's been delaying that earmark about probably $7,000 for paint. And I want to do that in three years. It's, it's the paint's doing okay right now. So then I just start chipping away at that number as, as I go. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to everything. There's so many variables that you would do to, to figure out percentages, but if you figure out the gross numbers and then what, what time frame you want to do it, then you can start Divide to plan that out. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then from there you figure out what will be a fair number on top of all the other expenses to add to the rent number. So if you think you need to put $500 a month away for repairs and future renovations, then you add that 500 to the rent number that the practice pays the holding company. Awesome. Yeah, that's probably good information to all calculate it in as well. Yeah, because what happens if you don't do it that way, let's forget that even the idea that you have in shareholders, but let's just talk about you know, Dr. Smith, his practices in there renting from his holding company. If you don't do it that way, and all of a sudden something really expensive happens, like the air conditioning goes, and it's $6,000, and you don't have that in your holding company for it, guess where you're going to take it from? Your operating your practice. Yeah. So now your practice is paying for something that really it should not. And it, you don't want to strain your practices, P&Ls or things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. if you have, a, if you've decided you have a sinking fund for your practice that has a bunch of money in it for things like that, and you're going to pay from there, that's fine. It's, mm-hmm. you know, six and one half dozen the other, but you really want to run your holding company operations as far as the business of it, like you would, if you were the president of a condo association, trying to figure all those things out. So. Awesome. No, that's really good advice. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And again, you want to be able to provide some transparency to your shareholders so they don't think they're getting charged too much in rent. Yep, for sure. Because the other reality that I know is people that never have owned commercial real estate have no idea how ridiculously expensive it gets. Yep. Okay. Even a practice, not even just uh, the same. Yeah. It's just like most associates don't realize how much, how ridiculous it is all the expenses that are in a practice. They see the revenue coming in and think that the doctor has four houses in different islands. And it's usually not the case. It's usually a lot of overhead that needs to get paid. They don't usually see the overhead. They see maybe the stuff that comes in. Mm-hmm. Similar thing. For sure. Cool. Any questions on any of those things? I wouldn't mind touching base with you again on how your conversation goes with the tax attorney to, to get into that, to wrap a bow on all this, but any questions? No, I think that's great. Yeah, I would love to. I think like being part of the CSA has helped me with a lot of kind of structuring different things. But then mm-hmm. I think like like also just hearing your thoughts as a practice owner, but also a commercial real estate owner helps guide a little bit of stuff. 
I think at some point I might have to pick your brain just to how to, what are some of the big things that I have yeah. to be aware of in, in order to make the calculation, but I had to talk through and make sure everything's set up first. Yeah, for sure. I think you'll want to get your structure squared away. And then if you make the move to buy, then you can work through that when you buy. Exactly. Cause you, it's hard to figure that out until you buy and know all the expenses. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then just the last thing with the commercial real estate is some people will buy a strip mall type of thing, and there's going to be multiple units that you can rent out to other tenants. That's a different animal than just literally one unit that you're renting from. Okay. You're now becoming a tenant and you got to find, but that's where you talked about before having a really good real estate agent, finding tenants for you is something you can do as well. Yeah. I, I highly recommend it. There's so many intricacies to yes. leasing and buying like i've heard horror stories of getting to the like the last moment and then realizing the zoning doesn't work yep. and then trying to figure that out and it's luckily they didn't sign the dotted line you're on the hook for it but it's and you can't really trust the person you're talking to either because they don't necessarily know it that's mm -hmm. what i've heard as well where someone's oh it's fine we can do this yeah. but then it's you know do your due diligence call the mm -hmm. city get the kind of confirmations get all the stuff that you need before you put the purchase order in yeah. Spend the money with the experts to get it done versus really messing up and costing yourself a lot more money. Yeah. You could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, for sure. All right. Perfect. Well, I appreciate your, your hopping on this call with us today and, and diving through some of this. These are a couple of fresh topics for the podcast. So I appreciate that. No problems. Thank you for inviting me. I've, I've been an avid listener and it's been, it's, uh, it's weird to be on the podcast now. So yeah. Just wait till you hear your voice for the first time. That's always fun. I got over that years ago. <laughs> All right, Cody, you have a good one. Okay. All right. Take care. Thanks. Jim. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the modern chiropractic marketing show. Before you leave, make sure you check out our website. We've got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of great info at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. We also have a closed Facebook group of the same name where a lot of like-minded chiropractors are workshopping ideas and making sure that we have this continual advancement of marketing, business, mindset, and just growth of your practice. So check us out, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and the Facebook group of the same name.